The Weezer Bracket is brought to you by Watto's Revenge. This is Watto's Revenge, the horse from Australia. Not Watto's Revenge, the... Uh, the JPEG that you should definitely the, not look up. The really bad fanfic that you should not be out there looking up about Watto from Star Wars. We're talking... <laughs> the Phantom Menace. Oh, yes. Star Wars, the Phantom Menace. The good one. He's also in Attack of the Clones. Yes. He's in the two best Star Wars movies. But we're definitely talking about Watto's Revenge. The Australian horse that we really know a lot about. We know a lot about horse racing. Um, we originally thought about doing a joint podcast where it's going to be half Weezer, half horse racing. Not just horse racing, but Australian horse racing. <laughs> yeah. Oi, mate. Oi. Crikey. Crikey. Oi. I love the way that horse runs. This this horse been eating Vegemite all week. He's ready to trolley. Anyhow. Yeah, it's a good horse that you should bet money on. Um when it runs and in Australia, in Australia, um, and it's not about Watto. It's not named after the Watto, the uh, Star Wars character. Apparently, it's named after a very famous cricket player from Australia. I mean, you know the one. I mean, if you're listening to this, you know cricket, of course. Australian cricket too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's start it. All right, another one. Award-winning intro. <laughs> What a monumental week we have here, Andrew. It's week eight. Week eight. We are finishing out the first round of the Weezer bracket. You guys never thought we'd get here. Honestly, I I was not sure (laughs) a lot of times. Also, we learned this is actually a lot harder than we thought it would be. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We kept at it. Uh, We really appreciate all 10 of you out there listening right now. Yeah, you should be congratulating us a lot. Um, But, you know, we'll we'll be the bigger people and congratulate you for listening to all of it and, uh, you know, telling us stuff on Twitter that sometimes is true. Yeah. I am one of your hosts, Nick Robinson, NickRob on Twitter.com. And I'm Andrew Woods, Jim Jarmish Hair on Twitter.com. Still no uh, cease and desist from Jim Jarmish for you. So no. uh, you're still going strong. It's been like seven years now. Well, I don't think he's very active on Twitter. No. Um, but unlike a lot of weeks, we have some Weezer news. And don't worry, it's not about a new album. Because that's not happening. Ever. No, it'll happen. Just we don't know when. So we just covered Toto uh, cracked the uh, top hundred Billboard chart. It's Which, the first time they've done that in over a decade. And you're thinking back, what was the last one to crack the top hundred? It's if you're wondering if I want you to, I want you to. You know, I just can't believe that song's like, oh, like a decade old. I mean, I also can't believe it cracked the top hundred. Uh, well, that's my favorite. If you're wondering, if I want you to, I want you to. And it's like, I would have thought they would have something that garnered a little bit of traction because, as we've said, they have put out many good songs. Yeah, the only one I would think that could have maybe really done it would be Memories. Yeah, it didn't get the jackass boost that everyone thought it would. No. Yeah, back to the shack didn't crack. <laughs> didn't do it. <laughs> and oddly enough, uh, the one they're promoting now, Happy Hour, which we talked about and we both don't like, uh, isn't doing it either. Yeah, but Toto is Africa. 
Yeah. They're, they're apparently playing it on Jimmy Kimmel tonight. Let's let's think about this. They are going on Jimmy Kimmel just to play a cover of Toto. It's Africa. I fucking hate memes. I fucking hate them. I'm tired. But if you want to make some uh, Weezer bracket memes, we're totally down for that. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm pro Weezer bracket memes. I'm not pro other memes. Just like the band has done a lot better work than this. Even the Rosanna cover, I think, was better. You know, I mean, we've rehat, we've talked about this, but. All right, you want to get to it? Yeah. Round one, Da Vinci. Off of everything will be all right in the end. Hold me off of make believe. You are taller than a mountain, deeper than the sea. You So let me just start with something. Do you want to know my, what my favorite thing about Da Vinci is? What? The single cover art. Oh, is it, it's a picture of like the, the Mona Lisa? It's the Mona Lisa. Is she doing the Weezer W? She's doing the Weezer W, but the hands are like half the size they should be. <laughs> They're just like radically small. Um, this is a weird uh, matchup because I actually like both these songs. Okay. All right, we'll we'll power through this. No, they're both good songs, and this is like the problem is like we we have the sixty four song bracket, and both these songs don't actually belong on a list of the worst Weezer songs. I think Hold Me definitely does. No, fuck no, that's fucking fo- bullshit, dude. Hold Me is half of a song. No, it's not. That, that it's is like, taken to much longer than it needs to be. No, Hold Me is a perfectly fine song. It's like Hold the me best like song the, in fucking Make Believe. I mean, okay, that's called damning with faint praise <laughs> no hold me hold me is a good fucking song that builds it feels like rivers was writing a song that could have been good but then he got called out and had to run a bunch of errands and just kind of turned in what he had had left over well, let's start with da vinci cause... <laughs> all right da vinci's co-written with josh alexander who contributed to a bunch of them this is another song where he seems to be writing about nobody absolutely nobody and I think it really sums up everything will be all right in the end, Weezer, where it's just like, he's writing what he believes is a love song is conceptually. He's writing about, he's basically playing a character himself who's trying to write, the character is trying to write a love song about somebody the character loves. It's not Rivers. Yeah, I agree with that. But I think the thing is, it's a fine song removed from that. I think, yeah. And I, I understand that we're still probably looking for Rivers that is connected to his music. But I don't know if that exists anymore. And I think I've made the... I think I've come to terms with the fact that that might not exist anymore. 
Wow. I think everyone keeps on searching for wanting him to make a new Pinkerton, and it's just never going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think that I think that the problem is that he's refusing to write about the places he is in life now. Yeah. Like, he's dealing with raising children. He's dealing with going into the middle part of a successful relationship. These things don't necessarily make good rock music. Yeah, but you can definitely explore them. I think his wife and his and especially his children, he wants to keep private. Yeah. And so he's not opening up in the ways that endeared us to him as a songwriter. He was a big fan of this song when he reviewed this album. No. Your your favorite, The Needle Drop. Oh, really? Yeah, he was like this is one of his uh, favorite tracks on this album. He was pretty positive on this album overall. You know, I was more against this album when it came out, but I've definitely warmed up to it yeah. as time has gone by. Um, I really, I think my favorite from this is actually the Featurescape trilogy because I think it's kind of like daring and innovative in ways that Weezer has kind of yeah, I mean, either I, refused to be or not successful when they've tried. I really, I really enjoy it. It kind of sounds like, for me, Rivers doing like Fang Island. I don't know if he had ever heard Fang Island or anything <laughs> at that point, but that's what it sounded like to me at the time. When I revisit it, it still sounds like that to me. I mean, it's Rivers. I can convince myself that he's either like the biggest closeted uh, Fang Island fan or absolutely has no idea. Had, I don't think he had ever heard of Fang Island. I, that would be one that. There are some guests in this album, though, that are pretty interesting. I know, like, Bethany Constantino's on um, Go Away. Um, Foolish Father, he has Patrick Stickles come out and then do like some guitar solos on it. Yeah. Uh, you know what else I really like about this song? What? At the end, there's this disembodied female voice that says, that's amazing. Where? At the, in the outro. Oh, really? You can barely hear it. This, this woman just goes, that's amazing. And it sounds like it's either like someone turned it on like the booth microphone and somehow recorded it. I don't know how it got on the song. I think there's actually parts of that rivers you're looking through that peek out in the song. Okay. Because some of it, he's clearly trying to write a song about this idealized woman, but it quickly comes to have these parts where he's, I think he's kind of talking about the creative process where he's really struggling to express himself. And I think it's kind of that old rivers kind of peeking out. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, like a especially bit. the self criticism. I wrote a page, but it was awful. And it's just like I can't imagine how many pieces of paper Rivers has wadded up in frustration, whether it be like some hook he's writing or some lyrics, and just thrown them away and just gone into uh, self doubt, which is an important part of the creative process. Yeah, I think he could be talking about creativity and the art of songwriting a little bit. His own creative process. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I don't know if Rivers. <laughs> it's Rivers. We don't know anything is necessarily true. Yeah. And also, I'm just going to say this. This is me thing. I don't like the whistling at all. Whistling's okay. Yeah. It's just one of those things where it's so hard to do in music. It always seems so forced when people are doing it. Andrew Bird can do it. Yeah. A few people have. Yeah. But it's like most of the time when people try to do it, especially if they're trying to make a radio-friendly song, it just rarely hits it just feels like people are trying to make things for people to do follow along in hopes that they'll like the song or buy the record i can't believe you don't like hold me here's the thing i don't dis it just feels unfinished it feels like i think you just because what are you looking for like another like like another first 
That would be nice. I don't think it needs it. I think it's just so sparse. I think this is one of those, like, uh, musically, I think it's fine, and it really sounds like a classic Weezer, which is very welcome on Make Believe, but I, it just, it feels like it's a start. I don't think that. In fact, I think you're holding it to, like, a more structured version of a sound that song that isn't necessary. That's fair. That's fair. It just feels like, especially at 4 minutes and 22 seconds, that it should have a little more substance to it. So I think it definitely wears out its welcome at its length. So he uh, wrote this song after like a fasting session, and it's literally how he felt. It, it was really like an outpouring of like he was cold and kind of sad, you know, and he just wanted someone to hold him, and that's what came out of this. Basically, I think he was at that point where he was trying like Pipizana, and like one of the requirements is to fast every once in a while. Yeah, how long do you know? I'm like maybe a day or two or something like that. Dude, that's hard, man. And like he was actually hesitant to tell people about that because he didn't want it to seem like he was like hurting himself for like <laughs> inspiration, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that he didn't want that to see the artistic process to seem like this laborious kind of thing. I think he also tries to avoid like anything that gives him like a hippy dippy look too. Probably because of his upbringing a little bit. Pro- yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think when you were probably raised in that like a sort of a hippy dippy like upbringing, <laughs> like you are almost against it. Yeah. Like I mean, I I get what you're arguing. Uh this is this is certainly a stripped down song, which makes sense cuz it's another fucking Rick Rubin collaboration. Well, the first version I heard of this song cuz I heard the uh the demo of this before before I heard the finished version cuz the um leak that version had leaked way before uh Make Believe came out. This is like the only one I had heard that made the album where I had heard like a, a demo version of it and it was acoustic. It was good. Like was it radically different? Or? No, 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 no. It was the same song, just not like, just not built out. Like you know, what I'm saying, okay, like because yeah, yeah. it was just him on acoustic guitar. Because like it does play though. Because like I like that it's just him basically in for the first like minute, and then the band comes in whenever right the chorus. I, I breaks love in. how it comes in. Yeah, but I just I it just gets I don't know. I think if the song were maybe three minutes, I'd like it a lot more. I think maybe the problem is like I just like like the rest of Make Believe is so abysmal that i find this to be better like i actually prefer this song to even like perfect situation oh wow yeah i think there's actual like feeling to this song while perfect situation what i think is a good weezer song i don't know if it's necessarily about anything no and basically like make believe heralds his songs that are not actually about anything uh, well no i don't think that's true because we've talked about that enough where i think they are a lot of about something he just doesn't flesh it out enough like we've talked about st- songs like "Pardon Me" and like "Haunt You Every Day," "Peace," where I think he does have some sort of concept in like some sort of like he's looking for some sort of forgiveness or apologizing. He's just not able to articulate it. Yeah, or it, it feels so like sparse in his articulation that it doesn't come ac- across as sincere. Problems this, when when you're basically a communicator for a living. This one I think works because me works for me because it feels like such like a volcanic like eruption of like his feelings after maybe coming out of this meditation or um fast that it feels like just this pouring of feelings which i think is why it works for me more so than the other songs okay i can give you that yeah i definitely didn't know the background of it. <laughs> and yeah it's like sometimes yeah i've definitely like skipped a meal and then i, I just need comfort <laughs> yeah i don't know these songs match up really well because hey, there's not much to say about either of them no all right you want to just vote sure uh i'm voting da vinci yeah da, da, da vinci i just like more too all right okay 
moves on. All right. Well, shame to the great painter, because uh, his song is apparently <laughs> <laughs> destroying that legacy. All right. Da Vinci moves on. All right. Boom. Round two. Glorious day. Off of Weezer, the green album. Versus Dreamin'. Off of Weezer, the Red Album. Red and green, it's a Christmas-themed round on the Weezer bracket. Merry Christmas, everybody. It's it's June. Merry Christmas in July. <laughs> it's June. I know, early Christmas in July. I mean, fuck, Christmas is starts celebrating it, you know, basically as soon as Halloween ends, so might as well. Let's get some Christmas in July sales going. Let, you need a new mattress? Let's go get one. Okay, um... <laughs> Glorious day. Uh, what's there to say? You not know, much. Not much. It, this is part of that whole section of the Green album that where he just made a bunch of forgettable songs that all kind of sound like simple pages. They all pages. kind of blend together, yeah. Like, in the beginning, he has the guitar riff of simple pages in the intro. And then that, of course, never comes back. No. I think he's trying to make this part sort of a cohesive thing. Is this, is this like his second half of Abbey Road? Not, not the analogy <laughs> I was going to go for. Um, <laughs> you may be the first person to compare the Green Album to Abbey Road. Listen, I don't think that's true in any sort of way. <laughs> I think like I don't think he was trying to make a medley of songs that each play off each other at all. Well, then what was he just out of ideas or something? I don't know what was going on. It's, it's they're they're just also kind of bland. Yeah. This one especially, it sounds like every forgettable late '90s, early 2000s it's like, radio alt alt rock song. It's it's all such watered down Weezer from the Weezer we had known before. If you told me the Verve Pipe had recorded this song, I would totally believe you. Except I recognize Rivers' yeah. voice, of course, and the guitars and all that. I think this was one of those songs that they demoed early on. I think it was originally called Gonna Make My Move. I don't know why they chose this one out of all the songs they had written in that period to be on the Green Elm. Maybe they got all these songs confused, too, and they're just like, fuck, throw, it, throw them all on. I bet, I just feel like, because it was their comeback album, I, I feel like he was probably obsessive about like what was going to make the album. I think this one, I think he was especially chasing the now song that was then and because of that, this song now sounds incredibly dated. Although I will say, uh, flexing all our clout is a shockingly forward-thinking lyric at the time. Like, basically half the SoundCloud rap songs have that lyric now. That's true. I don't think that was why he wrote the I, lyric. Again, Rivers, the first SoundCloud rapper. He's like obsessed with a lot of the SoundCloud rappers right now. Uh, yeah, they're kind of domin- dominating the popular culture landscape. Have you been to his Spotify? No. Rivers Cuomo's Spotify? Just Rivers Cuomo, not the Weezer Spotify. Yeah, yeah. And you click on uh, his uh, bio. 
Yeah. He just copy and pasted Lil Xan's bio and just posted it in <laughs> his bio. Following SoundCloud rappers is so frustrating because it's like they can write usually one good song and that's it. Yeah. And then it's just like, oh yeah, whatever happened to Lil Xan? What happened to Lil Skies? Have you been following like the John Daly Lil Xan uh, like, uh, feud? John Daly, like the golfer? John? No, no, no. John Daly, John Daly like the comedian. <laughs> oh, no. It's just like him. Keeps, he keeps on making fun of him for his face tattoos. And <laughs> Lil's hands just keeps like, like being like, come on, man. <laughs> his comeback is come on. It's a little more intro, but it's really funny. John Daly actually like recorded like a like Lil Zan song he wrote. It's really good, actually. It's pretty on point. I really wish this was the uh, alcoholic golfer that was feuding with a SoundCloud rapper. John Daly has made many jokes about that. Um, not, I mean, like comedian John Daly, of course, not John Daly the golfer. Once again, John Daly also does this great thing called uh, Papa John Misty's. He does, which is just his uh, Papa John Misty bit. It's pretty funny. I saw him do it at this uh, 10th anniversary Island show at the Masonic Lodge. Like, cause like they played the, uh, the, uh, their first album return to the sea the entire way through. And then they had like this kind of like break and they had like him come out as Papa John Misty and like sing a song and do this whole like thing. And then they came back out and played like a encore set, like from songs from their albums after that one. But so, but is like his Papa John Misty, does he just take Father John Misty, uh, hold on, noted criminal Father John Misty uh, songs and make them about pizza or something like that? He, like that he, he, he doesn't like take actual Father John Misty songs, but he does kind of like a Father John Misty-esque song and a lot of times about Papa John's pizza. Okay. I'm glad it's not like a hash, a rehash of the Macaulay Culkin pizza. Oh, it fell out of the ground, yeah. They did that for so long. They did it for like how two years. How they get years. write-ups in every fucking magazine. Like, how, could, how long could you take that thing for? And how are they able to keep on doing it? Imagine, like, I've always want, wondered this, you know, just about, like, if you're a popular band just going up, playing, let's say you're a one-hit wonder, and you just have to play that song 200 nights a year. Like, how you just don't, like, get bored out of your skull yeah but imagine like if you're doing the pizza underground it's like cool after three shows it's like yeah this joke is not funny would they just take actual velvet underground songs and just put pizza in it yeah that was it would they instead of heroin they would just say pizza i mean it was just like instead of heroin is like pepperoni or something like that hey how they got written up in every single magazine that was because it was macaulay culkin yeah no one else would get that sort of attention. But anyhow, can we move on to Dreaming then? Because honestly, I don't have that much to say about Glorious Day because it's just kind of a standard green song album. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dreaming. Dreaming is way more interesting. And yes. Good and bad. This is the song where I, re- I kind of realized I really hate Brian Bell's voice. <laughs> He's really, yeah. It's really nasally on this song and really annoys the shit out of me. He's not trying to be a singer, is the really other thing. But he has his own band where he's the lead singer, right? Yeah, but no one listens to it. That's true. So this song, and I think, I don't know what quite Rivers was going for for this song. It kind of reminds me a little of the Baroque pop that was popular at the time. A lot of like kind of indie rock around that era. Yeah, I mean... I would, the, the most generalized version was it's... Kind of maybe like his Arcade Fire song. Yeah, it's definitely approaching that experimentalism, that kind of, we're going to make a song with movements in it. Symphonic kind of music. Yeah, 
But there's a real big difference when Arcade Fire does it. It kind of sounds like a polyphonic spree song at times. I have not thought about that name in quite some time. I think about polyphonic spree all the time. (laughs) What's really shocking to me about this song is that it was released as a single. Which single? The fourth single. Okay. But still, a single. Please... Tell me, like, who who go who like hears this song? So, yo, I gotta run to iTunes. I gotta get this song. I will say this in its defense: it is a great bargain single because you buy this song, you get three songs basically. (laughs) It's so weird because this song is on the same album as uh, the Greatest Man That Ever Lived. Yeah, and the Greatest Man That Ever Lived is a radically more successful and interesting version of this. Well, that, the Greatest Man That Ever Lived seems like the, a similar idea taking the full completion. Yeah. Well, this seems just kind of... Eh, it feels a little half-assed. Have a Green Day segment, too. Which, one, uh, which section do you think is the Green Day segment of this section? The very end. Yeah. That. Oh, you're right. Oh, it does kind of have that breakdown. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. It sounds like like Rivers has imitated Green Day a I lot, don't but, want... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that is this is like his most naked, hey, like I'm just going to make a Green Day record. I bet he was a little influenced by uh, American Idiot. American Idiot came out in, out in like, what, 2005, 2006, I want to say? No, uh, it's, I think it's yeah. like 2004, 2005. Yeah, I was about to say four is what I think. Four or five. When's the last time you listened to American Idiot? <sighs> It's been a long time. Later period Green Day is just like really upsetting to me. American Idiot was the last Green Day album that I definitely gave my full attention to. I de- yeah, I would absolutely say that. Well, you couldn't escape it. You couldn't escape it. And like what they're trying to do conceptually is like we're going to make a punk rock opera. All right, that's somewhat interesting. Hey, hey, do you know this? I think it was kind of about Bush. What? I think it was about Bush. The guy who did 9-11? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think Bush think. was supposed to be the American idiot. You sure about this? I think I'm blowing your mind right now. What? Anyhow. Wait, wait. You're telling me that Gre- the band Green Day yes. didn't like George Bush? George W. Bush? Yeah. I'm. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure Trey Cool uh, campaigned for him. <laughs> I also don't think they probably like Donald Trump right now. What? Anyhow, dreaming, yeah, another Rick Rubin produced record. Jesus, I, I forgot that he did this one too. How does he? Did we put every Rick Rubin production on the bracket? I think so. I think there might be a couple songs of no. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I think we might have. <laughs> I was listening to um, "License to Ill" for the first time this week in a while. It's a very good record. It's a very good. I think like License to Ill is more of a better representation, like representation of the uh, talents of Rick Rubin than even the than maybe the talents of the Beastie Boys at times. I mean, I love interesting. I love. That's there's a lot to unpack. I think they just got better, you know, later on in some ways lyrically and definitely maturity wise. Yeah, but I mean, their immaturity was a big. I mean, that's one of the best things about License to Ill. Yeah. Yeah. And but just like that, that album is just pure Rick Rubin when it comes to the sound. Oh no, that's that's undeniable. Whether it's a better representation, that's a, that's a difficult one. Because I, I mean, I think of so many things with Rick Rubin. Yeah, you know, uh, I think I would. But I think I would take his work at work with Jay Z as his most emblematic. But some of the stuff with Jay Z, if you boil it down, you can still can, can hear some of that license to ill sound in there. No, absolutely, like, absolutely. Ninety nine problems sounds like if you took that with the sound of it, it sounds like something off of license to ill. Undoubtedly, 
It's interesting. That's that's like one of those like uh, Zen cones, like <laughs> one hand clapping. Is there more representation of the Beastie Boys or Rick Rubin now? We're gonna have to come back to this. Yeah, I mean, this isn't really the conversation of the podcast, but I mean, look, but we are talking about Rick about, Rubin. We're not talking about Rick Rubin, anyway, especially with the, uh, his collaboration with them. You kind of have to talk about License Ill and especially specifically that. Yeah, genesis of Rick Rubin. I don't know how Rick Rubin let this one go. I really don't. <laughs> There's so much going on. None of it's cohesive. I guess he's trying to like. I think Rick Rubin is trying for some of that smash stuff together and see if it works. I mean, a lot of that is on like his work with Eminem. A lot of it's with the Beastie Boys. A lot of it is with thousands and thousands of of other people Rick Rubin has worked with. But this is just not landing apparently there was another song supposed to be on the album called this is the way yeah i read that and like but rivers had to convince the other band members that they should switch this out for dreaming i mean look the most shocking so maybe that's where brave new world came (laughs) (laughs) because that's what brave new world was about it's like him being angry at them for not wanting to take creative chances it's like you didn't want to put dreaming on an album I mean, look, the most shocking part of all that you said was that the other band members get a vote on what goes on the album. This is the album where he was also making them put their own songs on the album, too. This was a dark period for Rivers, man. Yeah. He was really trying to find something, I think, and he just wasn't able to. I mean, he's lurching. He's looking for a lot of things on this record, and he's just not finding anything. He goes, like, I think he's definitely searching out a lot of teen angst because at the beginning this has a clear uh beach boys wouldn't it be nice influence to it i mean the whole dreaming concept seems to be stemming from that and then he's trying to tap into teen angst issues which have been a propellant of rock music since the dawn of time but he's doing it in uh the worst ways uh daddy says i have to pay bills to show responsibility yeah okay yes there have been many great rock pop songs that essentially mirror their sentiments they don't just come out and say it and especially those words <laughs> <laughs> so rivers is like 40 at the time so he's like thir- late 30s at least and he's clearly been successful for almost 20 years at this point. <laughs> not t- 15 i would say 15 yeah also, it's like, this is one of those things where it's like, we know this is an insincere moment since his daddy left. Oh, he's never had, he, his father never supported him. Yeah. Or maybe his dad called him up. Hey, son, you got to get a job. <laughs> dad, Hey, so dad, good. it's good to be back in your life. Have you heard of a popular rock star? Bullshit, son. That's <laughs> not a real fucking lifestyle. You need to get a real job. You should get a job at, like on one of those computers. <laughs> And they're the wave of the future, son. No wonder this fucking dreaming, son. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, parental abuse. Saying it funny. Anyhow, it's weird. I've compared this song to Arcade Fire, Polyphonic Spree, and Green Day. Well, it has... It's basically three songs. Like This is almost a prototype for what his songs would later become of his Frankensteining method. 
but this is like the worst. Like this is like if he just didn't like chop them up. This is this like is, if he just like wrote a bunch of things and threw them all together without cutting them or just like slimming them down. This is Doctor Frankenstein fucking around with chickens before he actually <laughs> makes the monster. <laughs> this is like this is like chicken one or two, you know? Yeah. It, it, well, this is like if he him fucking with a chicken and like in like con- attaching it to like a hen <laughs> and then attaching that to like a snake. Yeah. <laughs> um, he might have done that. I haven't read the book. Uh, I read Frankenstein. He doesn't do that. Oh wait, I did read that. I don't remember the book. That that's my defense. Yeah, he doesn't do that. Uh, but I mean, practically, he'd have to. Yeah. Well, he doesn't do specifically that. <laughs> No, but you didn't have... stick a chicken to a hen to a snake. But you're not reanimating a corpse the first time you try it. I don't no. care who the fuck you are. This is like him do. This is like Rivers doing like a, a hum- the human centipede. Okay. <laughs> Nick is looking at me with such disgust right now. He's not happy. I made that reference. Nobody's happy. Because here's the thing. The human centipede conceptually is one of those great ideas. And then the movies are just so fucking bad. I've never actually watched them. Yeah, like two is like two is one of the most boring movies I've ever seen. I've never felt the need to ever like watch one of those movies. No, you don't. It's like all those like shock horror films yeah. like uh Serbian film and all that. Yeah. It's like cool, you had some crazy stuff, but you couldn't tell me you couldn't keep me interested. It's kind of like Dreamin'. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Dreamin' is uh, the Serbian film of Weezer. Cool. Jesus. Anyhow, I think that's good. Can we vote now? Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to vote for Dreamin' just because, like, Glorious Day is such a nothing song, but at least it's not bad like the Dreamin'. This song is aggressively bad. Yeah. Dreamin'. Dreaming, we are we uh, dreaming. You could say is a nightmare. <laughs> oh, still not as bad as me calling it the human centipede. <laughs> still is not a lot of bad as like a lot of things you say on here. Hey, how dreaming's moving on? All right. And now the moment we've all been waiting for. Round three. Let it all hang out. Off of Ratitude. Versus Can't Stop Partying. Off of Ratitude.
So not only do we have a double Ratitude round, this is a double Jermaine Dupree round. You know, it's weird. I, I would never imagine Jermaine Dupree wrote on Let It All Hang Out. If someone set the over-under at one Weezer song collaboration, <laughs> I would have taken the under. Yeah. Jermaine Dupree, hip-hop and R&B legend let me just get his discography out of his way so jermaine dupree started his career in the same way that tupac shakur did he was a dancer tupac danced for digital underground jermaine dupree danced for houdini the music magician and the freaks come out at night houdini no, <laughs> yeah. no, i'm not having it I'm not having it <laughs> perhaps his biggest breakthrough was that he found two kids put them together called them crisscross and wrote their music for them. So he wrote Jump. He wrote and produced Always Be My Baby for Mariah Carey. He also did One Sweet Day for her with Boys to Men. He co-wrote My Boo for Usher. Produced You Make Me Wanna. You Got It Bad. He did songs from Monica. He did Grills by Nelly and Paul Wall, What It Do. He did songs for TLC, Run DMC, Bobby Brown, Bow Wow, not Bow Wow Wow, but Bow Wow. Uh, <laughs> second time we've had to make the distinction on the podcast. We got to do what we got to do. MC Light, Lil' Kim, New Edition, Aaliyah, Maze, Cam, Ron, Jay-Z, Warren G, UGK, For Life, Nate Dogg, Clips, he has worked with Pusha T, Birdman, Tyrese of the Fast and Furious franchise, he worked with Chingy. Little John, J-Con, Twista. He worked with basically almost anybody you can name. And at one point, he dated Janet Jackson. Nice. Let me ask a quick question. In his early career, when he was like working with like Criss Cross and like Mariah Carey early on, do you think he took a step back and said, I got to listen to the Blue album? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jump was probably heavily inspired. By- I'm sure Rivers Coleman was very aware of Jermaine Dupri. I don't know how... like aware of Rivers Cuomo Jermaine Dupri was. That is very fair. Yeah. We tried to track it down. So this used to be one of those things you'd hear, but now because they've worked together a few times now, you can't Google and find this anymore. But supposedly, I believe it was Hashpipe that Rivers said he was trying to write a Jermaine Dupri song. I don't see that. I I don't see it either. I think I'm getting the song wrong, but I have been tirelessly looking and I cannot find it. Okay. And I know you know you you remember this, but I can't find just which song it was. So did he collaborate with with him on Can't Stop Partying or Let It All Hang Out first? Can't Stop Partying. Well, then was it basically they were working on can't stop party and he's like hey i'm working on this other thing and can you help maybe give me a hand here i don't know the uh origin story for let it all hang out i know like apparently it was like a riff that rivers had for like a decade you know what i'm saying like of course they all are yeah it was written between him and jermaine and also jackknife and I, I think Jackknife was the one who kept on pushing. He was like, don't, no, you really got to keep on using this riff. You know what I'm saying? He, he's the one who was really pushing him to bring back this riff and like turn it into something. That seems right. Yeah. So, Can't Stop Partying. It starts, Jermaine Dupree is in the studio one night. And he comes up with this hook. I can't stop partying, partying. I got to have a tone. I got to have the beat. I got to have a lot of pretty girls around me. And he starts to flush it out playing the drums he's doing it he records a demo a demo i would very much like to listen to someday 
And he's like, I don't know where this goes. I don't know what artist to send this to. <laughs> and for some reason, he thinks to send it to Rivers Cuomo. Rivers Cuomo gets a tape in the mail from one of his idols. He probably says yes before he has even listened to it. So here's, here's the kicker. Jermaine Dupri does not do anything else on the song. No, because he basically wrote the lyrics, right? And like the He hook. wrote it, but this is a guy who has produced for literally everybody. This guy is in the studio late nights, working on new material, gives the tape to Rivers, says, see ya. <laughs> Doesn't touch anything else. So Rivers has to invent like guitar parts. <laughs> he has to refine the drums. They have to make it all. Just what you said, there's like eight different versions of this song. I think it's because like Rivers didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. Well, from what I understand, his first take was to do a more punk rock, uh, upbeat version of it, and, and actually embrace like the "Can't Stop Partying" version, of, you know, message of it. Right. Try to make it a negative. No, 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 like, no, no. That make it a positive first off. Oh, I see. I, I see what you're saying. And then he did the, um, then he did the acoustic version, I think, which you can hear on the "Alone" too, mm-hmm. which yeah, I've heard. It's not. Not bad. And then he kind of like married the two, and I think that's more of the version we have now. So for the version that we have now, for whatever reason, and I've never heard any sort of good reason for this, but Jermaine will not produce this out record. Yeah. But Rivers wants to do something in the Jermaine Dupri style. So he finds a hip-hop producer. I'm sure he called Timbaland first and was probably rebuked or just couldn't get through. So what he did was he called... The Timbaland ripoff artist, Polo the Don. Polo the Don is a fascinating hip-hop producer because he, he tries to buy Timbaland style as much as, as he can. The coconut drums, they're either a Timbaland record or a Polo record. Polo also has some of the craziest appearances. He's in on this R. Kelly song where Polo the Don and this girl visit R. Kelly in jail. R. Kelly complains about the toilet paper and specifically asks for Charmin. And then they go, okay, cool. We'll bring that to you next time. By the way, we're fucking. (laughs) And R. Kelly's just in jail. Like, why are you telling me this? It is bizarre for an R. Kelly record. Okay. Polo has produced some amazing records. He did an absolute classic. Rich Boys Throw Some D's. Which he also has a verse on. Which he has one of my favorite rap lyrics every freak should have a picture of my dick on they wall <laughs> rivers has definitely heard throw some d's and he's like this is the guy <laughs> so that happens how do they get little wayne so this is 09 this is basically when there was that federal law that every song had to have a little wayne verse on it <laughs> i think he was on a follow boy song yeah Basically, Wayne is on any song that you pay him for. Wayne Wayne knows that he's hot right now. He's got a strike. I was hearing it. I, I've heard like if you give him like give him at least like sixty grand, he'd do just a verse for you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I guess Rivers had sixty grand or whatever. <laughs> actually, you know, what? I bet he has little because this is actually a short verse from Wayne. Yeah. Uh, so he probably had thirty grand, and Wayne says, "I'll do it anyways." Do you think Wayne was very familiar with the works of Weezer? No, not at all. Not at all. I love Lil Wayne, but I can't imagine him being a huge Weezer fan. I mean, he says Nirvana is his favorite. That's true. So maybe. He could have been semi-aware. He was able to come up with It's Weezer and It's Wheezy, Upside Down MTV. (laughs) (laughs) Wayne's verse, I will say this, gets better. 
as time goes on. Yeah. At the time, it was a lazy Wayne verse. However, compared to other lazy, Wayne has put out so many fucking lazy verses on hit songs. Like he has that fucking bedrock song. He has he has lazy verses on songs that he only does lazy verses. So look, building up today, I was doing research and I listened to as many versions of, of this song as I could listen to. There's another version called the Coconut Teaser version. Um, it's, it's a little more rock heavy. I don't know if Polo the Don worked on that version even. I think Polo only did the album version. Yeah. And, uh, so there, I mean, that's why Spotify calls it the Polo version. Before I think the album came out, he, you know, he was doing like kind of he was doing like this hootenanny thing actually. Oh God, yeah. And he played it there, which you can see our friend Megan Costello playing flute on. Oh really? Yeah. So Megan has played flute on "Can't Stop Partying." I was talking to her about it earlier today. <laughs> Incredible. If you watch the "Across the Sea" video from that. You can really see Megan. She's pretty like forefront for that. Shout video. out to Megan. Yeah. Obviously, there's the uh, one they did for AOL. What's AOL they did? The AOL sessions with Chameleonaire. Yeah, Chameleonaire does his own verse on it. That video all over is incredible because he has the rest of the band in these like silver jumpsuits. Rivers is in this all white suit, looking like like a scram preacher that goes town to town, and Chameleonaire comes out there. And everything he says, I don't think he understands that Weezer is a band band. Yeah. Because he's just like, oh, Live Bound sounds so so beautiful. It is clearly the band who most do not know how to play keyboards, just hitting one key sequence over and over again, just trying to get through it. Much like a fourth grade recital. And then he does his verse, and it's pretty good verse. But during it, Rivers Cuomo has no idea what to do. No, he, he looks so awkward. It's his first time where it's like he's not doing the bridge, doesn't have guitar to play under it, and he's just kind of like, I have to go with this. And it's beautiful. It's, it's amazing. Dude, today I found out, I, during research, I found out there's a version of this song that has a children's choir in it. What? Yeah, yeah. Where is this? I think I found it earlier today. I'm not. I, I'll play it to you. I'll play it to you. In oh next. hell yeah! They went on G- the George Lopez show or Lopez Tonight. Remember when Lopez had like a TBS? Like, oh god, yeah. I remember and they that. did. The, they did performed it, and Rivers did the Wayne verse. What? Yeah. <laughs> I I God I I want to see Rivers say gotta stop mixing alcohol and pharmaceuticals. I've seen him do. I mean, I've seen he did it last week. Yeah, he our friend it. Joe John got him to do it. Yeah. He did it at the uh, Troubadour, yeah. Let me ask you a question, though, because we've now we've given the whole history of this song. There's even more you could probably talk about. Oh, yeah. But let's now talk about your reaction to this song the first time you heard it. Do you remember the first time you heard this song? I thought the song was fucking terrible. Yeah, me too. In fact, I thought this was like the worst thing they had ever fucking done. I had heard the Alone version, which was the acoustic kind of sad version, and I kind of liked it because when it had that like negative t- to it, yeah, it makes it seem like an, there's an actual regret. Yeah, like that that kind of seems to flow more with the Weezer mythos or ethos. But then but when you like listen to the album, version, you listen you look- to it, and it's just like him trying to make a pop song that's just a radio friendly pop song, which radio did not embrace this record. It kind of sounds like uh, him doing his version of Eddie Murphy's party all the time. Uh, kind of, but at least Eddie Murphy in that version, he doesn't like that his girl parties all the time. He's just like kind of sick of it. Hey, did you ever hear the, the uh, deal that he made with MTV? Cause like, this is like what? 85, I believe when that song came out. For what? That Eddie Murphy made? Yeah. So yeah. 
No, because they basically they got him to host the MTV uh, Video Music Awards that year. Oh wow! But it was part of his contract that they had to play "Party All the Time" every hour. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, yeah, that's one of my favorite Eddie Murphy stories. Well, it's not one of my favorite Eddie Murphy stories. There's was, plenty of those. There's plenty of them. Anyhow, yeah, I thought the song was dog shit bad the first time I heard it. Now I kind of love it. I kind of love it. Like, <laughs> I, but here's the thing. I don't know if I love it sincerely or ironically or that I go. I don't really so give a shit far. anymore. Oh, I mean, look, this is, I can't tell how I love most things because this is how I kind of operate. Nick and I were at a bar a few weeks ago <laughs> where there was a famous female musician, young female musician there. I won't say it because I don't. But she likes boys. 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 Anyhow, I made sure to go up to the jukebox and put it on Can't Stop Partying, and it played. So, I guess it's time for me to give my grand theory about this. Yes, please do. You've built this up. I think there is one man that we can find truly responsible for this song. Who is it? Matt Sharp? <laughs> <laughs> no. Justin Bieber. Okay. Jermaine Dupree runs his own label, So So Def Records. And so during this time, he's just trying to make things happen. In the early 2000s, he meets a party promoter. And this kid is just on it. He's one of the hardest working people that, that Jermaine has ever seen. And so he hires him on. His name? Scooter Braun. <laughs> Scooter Braun who's probably the biggest genius the music industry has seen since Rick Rubin, just starts propelling So So Deaf Records. Scooter Braun makes connections that nobody else sees. He puts things together. He does what very few people can. I, I love Scooter Braun. I love listening to him talk. I love all that. I'm fascinated with Scooter Braun. Scooter Braun is propelling So So Deaf. He's making connections. He's having parties. They're making gobs of money. Scooter Braun kind of feels stuck. Can't go anywhere. Scooter Braun then just goes on YouTube and just starts looking. And he finds Justin Bieber. And he leaves So So Deaf to manage Justin Bieber when Justin was just a kid singing covers on YouTube. This leaves a hole in So So Deaf. So part of the reason why Jermaine is just kind of fucking around in the studio is like he doesn't have the direction that maybe he once did. And so he's recording these songs and he thinks the mantra that we should all have, what would Scooter Braun do? Scooter Braun takes Justin Bieber, he puts him on Despacito when every label involved doesn't want it. Why are you doing this? This is a Latin pop record. Why are you putting Justin on it? Justin doesn't speak Spanish. It becomes the most streamed song of all time, quickly. This is also nine years like after this song came out. Right, but I'm just saying yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. this is an insight into Scooter, Scooter Braun's Braun, thought process. Yes. And so Jermaine Dupri thinks, okay, Scooter Braun takes two disparate things and puts them together and crosses over audiences. So I'm going to take Jermaine Dupri. What is the farthest away from Jermaine Dupri there is? Weezer. (laughs) Jermaine Dupri follows this thought process through, connects. Rivers is all too for it. That's that's how it goes. I, I mean, I can't prove this. But it, all the pieces add up. The timelines certainly add up. I think Jermaine was trying to think of 
how Scooter would think things through. I'm really curious. Here's the interesting thing. How did he end up also ready and let it all hang out? I Basically, here's what I think happens with that. Yeah. And this, I definitely have no information. I think basically Rivers says like, hey, this song turned out good. And maybe he was lying. Let's actually do one together. Yeah. Like we have one in the books. Let's actually try writing one together. That seems the most logical plan of attack. I would be so curious about like then like the process behind let it all hang out. Because the way you say like can't stop partying is basically Jermaine writes the lyrics and kind of gives a general beat and then just leaves it, right? Yeah. But this seems like more of a collaboration where like it was. Yeah, this is this is them seeing the project through. Yes. And I think maybe I mean listen, I can't tell Rivers' thoughts on this song. I can't tell if he likes it or doesn't like it or thinks it's popular. He's still performing it. He's still performing it. Yeah. He's trying to make it work a lot of ways. Yeah. And I don't know his motivations for that. But I think he could come to Jermaine Dupree and say, listen, this song is what it is because you left it. Let's, let's actually see what happens when you go the whole way. True. And Jermaine Dupree just goes for it because why not? We haven't actually talked about the quality of Let It All Hang Out. It's kind of whatever. It's whatever. It's fine. Let's yeah. stop. Let's talk more about Can't Stop Party. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You forced me. Okay, I'll talk about this song that I'm always talking about anymore. It's such an odd song. So apparently on the other alternative version, he changes lyrics a little bit. So the Patron and the E-lyric, he cha- changes to uh, keeping the beat. I don't know. Apparently, at one time, he wanted to take out all references to drugs and alcohol. Yeah, because, I mean, he goes back and forth on whether he's actually going to do that. Yeah, he does it every time. We've turned so many friends on this song. Like I sent it to, I sent it to previous podcast guest, Thomas Grabinski, <laughs> a few weeks ago, and he could not stop listening to it. It, it, it's oddly charming. It really sucks you in. It has like a warm, it's got this worm that gets stuck in your ear and that you can't get over it. And you just like, you know what it might be? What? Especially if you know the context of where this is, like basically all the Weezer songs from this era are remarkably insincere. This is like them turning into the skid. Yeah. The first time it sounds so big and so anti-Weezer and so everything that we had come to hate from Weezer that I hated it. Yeah. I just like, what the fuck are they doing? And then like I started to think, this is just so so odd. And so like I, I guess I was probably attacking it from a more ironic level and I was starting to love it. But then when I started, I, then I just couldn't stop listening to it because I think the actual hook is really good and like everything about it, it kind of starts to fall in. Kind of really fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's so goofy, you know, it, it, it becomes endearing in how goofy it is. It has no pretension to it. No. And it's just clear. It's just like Rivers is not chugging Patron. I don't think he's done E. I think he's done a lot of drugs. E is probably like one I don't know. I can't imagine him doing and it's like we see him in like every one of his videos with his with it, where there's a hot girl in it. He kind of doesn't know what to do, so he doesn't ha- have to have a lot of pretty girls around him. But he's like trying to sell it. He is going for it. It's great. I love the song. <laughs> I think I do too. Yeah. I I think this might have gone the distance, and if we did the bracket the other way, finding the best Weezer song. I mean, no. <laughs> no. Maybe. Well, but it would probably get to the second round, at least. Uh, maybe final round? No. <laughs> I just ho- want to find, go on YouTube one day, see some vice principal at a high school record a cover called I Can't Stop Tardying. <laughs> Jesus. 
<laughs> it does seem like this kind of song that an adult uses to try to say, hey, kids, I'm still hip. And it just comes out wrong. I think that might be why I like it, too. <laughs> he was like almost 40 when he like wrote this song. And you can say he tried to write. I see it with the uh, Alone version where it's about the horrors of partying and like what it can do to you. But this version is just too much fun. <laughs> Anyhow, you want to vote then? Yeah. Because, like, I mean, obviously, I think we're going to have to vote for Let It All Hang Out, which is fine, but it is nothing as majestic as Can't Stop Partying. Can't Stop Partying. Okay, well, let's say this. I'll say it's the most underrated Weezer song. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we can... I had some notes for Let It All Hang Out, but I just don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it especially when you... You just can't hang these two these two paintings next to each other. No, it's like it's like, why would I talk about... A song let it all hang out which i can hardly remember at this time when there is the great the secret greatest weezer song of all time right there can't stop partying anyhow you can use those notes next time because we have to talk about it again yeah oh unfortunately uh we must stop talking about can't, can't stop, stop partying, partying. The, par- the party's over i'm i'm really sad to see it go i'm glad we got our feelings out about this yeah. song i'm glad and i'm glad that people would get to hear them and i hope they too fall in love with this song the way we have or fall in love with it, ironically, because that'll get you into liking it sincerely. Yeah. And I might have gone back to irony and then sincerity again. I don't know how. This could be I a constant loop. It. I have no idea how I enjoy things. <laughs> wow. We've really made it. I mean, we still have to edit and everything like that, but we made it. Final round of the first round of the Weezer Bracket. No other one. Off of Pinkerton. Versus Get you off of Pinkerton. So, just a refresher our rules said that we had to each pick one song from every album and we had trouble with shockingly three albums to find two songs that we found bad they were blue pinkerton and somehow white yeah so we decided to put the blue songs against each other and the pinkerton songs against each other just for fun and now we have to put up you know we have to we have to compare these two songs so i want to talk a little bit about early history of Weezer a little bit. Yeah. And the, more so just my reaction to like these two albums. Blue is the reason I fell in love with Weezer. Mm-hmm. Then Pinkerton was the reason I became obsessed with Weezer. Yeah. If that would make sense. That makes total sense. Yeah. I think that's the way for a lot of people. Well, no, actually not a lot of people because a lot of people bought Blue, listened to Pinkerton, didn't go for it, you know? Yeah. It's, at the time, and that's certainly changed. You have to unpack Pinkerton a lot more than Blue. For a while, people weren't really ready to do that. So our friend Joe John, friend of the podcast, the other day he actually sent me something. 
And this is a letter that Rivers sent out to the Weezer fan club. It came out on July 10th, 1996, two months before the release. There are some lyrics on the album that you might think are mean or sexist. I will feel genuinely bad if anyone feels hurt by my lyrics, but I really wanted these songs to be an exploration of my dark side. All the parts of myself that was I was either afraid or embarrassed to think about before. So there's, a, there's some pretty nasty stuff on there. You may be more willing to forgive the lyrics if you see them as a passing low points in a larger story. And this album really is a story, the story of the last two years of my life. And as you're probably well aware, there have been, these have been two very weird years. <laughs> yeah, the... Uh... I think Pinkerton is an album that manage, manages to capture a certain id better than any other album I've ever heard before, if that makes sense. It feels to me that Rivers on this album finds a place to put feelings that do not have a place. When you are especially a young man, you have these desires, you yeah. have impulses, and not just of the sexual nature, just all over the place. Yeah. You think you have shit figured out and you have nothing figured out, and you don't know where to put these energies. And I think how Pinkerton has become such a treasured album is that it allows a conduit for these energies. It does, but I think another thing is he's not just like this kind of braggadocious male on either. No. There's a lot of shame on this album. Yeah. This album would certainly not work in the music landscape of today. No, but I do think there is a level of shame here still that almost makes it pass. He's aware that these are not good thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. This is not him like trying to make these things normal or just trying to like get away with them. Right. Basically, he's building an outlet for these feelings that he wishes that he had. Yeah. There's a lot in the history of this album because there's some weird things with this album that I've always found so interesting. A lot of people see a lot of these songs as about his experience with the fame that came from Blue. The weird two years. I mean, the shift from being an anonymous person to a huge artist is But the weird thing is there are a lot of these songs he wrote before Blue came out. Right. Tired of Sex he wrote in like 93, early 94. I'm sure that it went through a lot of change. The history of this album is pretty famous. Yeah. It starts off a lot of the material he started writing while on the road with Blue, and he had this idea to make this giant space rock opera called Songs from the Black Hole. It was going to have like a bunch of characters, different like singers on it, and it was going to be this big, you know, concept album. It's really shocking that he's never come back to this idea because these are all the things that he really likes of metal, of glam rock of all these bombastic rock elements around the time when he was on the message boards a lot someone asked what happened and this is something he said i don't necessarily think this is true he (laughs) he said he simply stated on the chat room interview ortr which means return of the rentals and people think this means to take it that because like uh return of the rentals became out between i believe uh blue and pinkerton and and there and a lot of people took this to mean that he thinks that sharp stole some ideas between there or used some things or things he was working on return the rentals is a pretty straightforward pop album yeah i don't think it's true what i think ends up happening with pinkerton he decides to go to college and he decides to have that surgery that extends his foot by two inches about and he's like laid up i think he goes to harvard i think he's kind of miserable there because he's in such a lonely spot he has these songs this sort of mind starts starts to set in on him and I think it evolved into Pinkerton, which has its own concept. It's got a connection to uh, Puccini's uh, Madden Butterfly that's just constantly referenced and kind of 
used as a sort of through line throughout the album. Is your theory of songs from the black hole that basically he had the concept and then he gets involved in school, he, he goes through these life changes, he kind of comes back to it and goes, oh, this wasn't that great idea that I thought I had. Yeah, I think kind it... Kind of like having this great idea for a 64 song bracket <laughs> to determine the we- worst Weezer song. When you actually go through it, it's like, oh, wait, this is a lot more hard work and effort for maybe not as much payoff as I thought. I just think things evolve. I think that the isolation turned Pinkerton into what it became, basically. Yeah. I think especially these lo- feelings of longing while he was holed up at Harvard with his fucking leg. The concept of Songs from the Black Hole was out out in the wild, right? It wasn't like... Or was so, it? It wasn't really well known. I mean, like, it wasn't, like, phenomenally well known. Yeah. That stuff, I think, more happened after Pinkerton came out. Right, that's what a I lot of things became known. And the, a lot of the demos were known. And, like, people have basically been able to piece together a lot of what it would sound like from, like, the demos linking and whatnot. Right. Can't make the whole thing. There's some really good songs. A lot of those songs still end up on Pinkerton. Like, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're just not in the context of that. I think it, I think it ended up being a better album. Than, oh, okay, okay. I think yeah. it, I, I bet songs with a black hole would have been a, a typical sophomore kind of overly ambitious. I think it would have been like those Coheed and Cambria albums that were trying to do all that, and everyone's like, "This has gone too far. This is too nerdy. This is I'm I don't care about these characters." Yeah, adding a through nine of multiple characters and a narrative is so fucking hard to do. I think, honestly, also I think it makes it a much more personal album than if he, if he was telling it through this sort of concept with these characters. Eliminating that totally just makes it about Rivers and his id and what he was going through at the time. And it's probably more of what it should have always been. Anyhow, the songs <laughs> we haven't even mentioned yet are <laughs> Get You. Get You and uh, No Other One. I picked Get You, though. I think you picked. I picked No Other One. I mean, here's the thing. It's like criticizing a song on Pinkerton is basically like criticizing the penmanship in a love letter. Yeah. You know, we have listened to a lot of bad Weezer songs, like a lot. Yeah. I would take these two over 90%, you know? Someone said that I was really shocked you guys didn't pink, pick uh, Pink Triangle, which I guess some people think is the... Pink, pink Triangle, I think, is the song that has held up the best. Yeah. I guess now, as we've moved into the Tumblr era and now this woke era, that, that sexual politics may not exactly hold up. Well, the one that I... My favorite song on the album is Across the Sea, which I know a lot of people could just say is the creepiest song. It, but it's inherently creepy. It was always inherently creepy. It's about him, like, fantasizing about some girl across the sea, some young girl, and creating a relationship in his head. To dismiss anything as just like, oh, well, that's creepy. Oh, that's that's advocating a, a behavior that I don't advocate is so limiting to the scope of art that it's all, it's really repugnant and offensive to just say, oh, this is about creepy. And it's like, yes, but what makes it that? Is there something maybe inside of you that you can relate to? Like, Rivers is not advocating this. You know, what is he saying about this? And he takes it interesting places. Like, I just like, it's like that letter I read before this. I was actually pretty surprised by your, your choice of Get You. Get you? I mean, like, what? I had to pick my, like, the song. I know. I know. I Get You is, I think, one of the more 
I don't think heralded songs from Pinkerton. I don't think it, no, no, it's not. I mean, it's not Across the Sea or Tired of Sex or like even Butterfly or El Scorcho or The Good Life. I would say those are the more heralded <laughs> Perhaps, songs from yeah. Pinkerton. I, I, you know, I would throw it in there. I think that is a a very highly regarded song. I think it's a little it, simpler than like, intellectually to me than some of the other songs on the album. That's fair, but I think this is perhaps Rivers's best application of his metal influences. Yeah. His his really hard rock influences. I think these they really come through in this, and I think they really add to the song, and they really create an interesting song. Well, a sonic. Well, what else did you expect me to pick? I don't know. <laughs> that would be an interesting question. Like, what else did you expect? I, you know, that's this fair. Album? That's fair. I guess I really hadn't thought that through. <laughs> if I had picked Pink Triangle, which I would never, never have, you would probably say, I, I can't believe you. I was surprised by your pick of Pink Triangle. If I had picked... Tire- yeah, this, is a very, this was a very hard album to pick songs off of. Like Falling for You, I love. I, I, like, I like Falling for You a lot. That's one of my favorite Rivers Cuomo lyrics of all, all time, which is, what could you ever see in little three-chord me? That's, yeah, that's fucking great. I'll say this, in doing this... I went through the entire Weezer discography again. I had not listened to this album from front to back in forever, and it was such a joy to revisit. Well, the whole thing works like just stupendously as an entire album as a concept, yeah. As we now have our albums electronically on our phones, on our computers, and everything, the d- default way to listen to anything is just to hit shuffle. Yeah. You have your favorite songs. You have your... El Scorchos or your Tires of Sex get played more because you star them or whatever. You actually forget, like, this is meant to be sat down and listened to and experienced in one go. Well, it just kicks off right away with Tires of Sex. Like, it kicks it, the fuck yeah. off. It just kind of rushes through it with no other one and, and then uh, get, get you in the... I guess you might have thought I would have picked Why Bother. That would have been the other one I think maybe you thought. Why would. Bother, maybe. But I, I like Why I like, Bother. I like Why Bother a lot, I like actually. Why Bother a lot. Yeah, this is the problem. It's like we're picking like one, talking about one of our favorite albums of all time. You know, I picked no other one just because it's pretty clunky. It doesn't have much of a flow to it. But it, I, mean, I, I think lot. it's about when, I mean, you can tell what it's about, though. It's about some girl he's dating who he's kind of afraid of, you know. And he thinks yeah. it's maybe a little too cool for him, even. And like, Yeah, I don't think the melody's that great. I, know, I love that melody. <laughs> you, you, you know who plays bass on these records? Matt Sharp. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we just have to mention them. All right, so let's vote. I mean, it's easy. No other one's clearly the worst one. So let's no, just... get you. Get you is not worse. No. All right. All right. Let's let's. Uh... I, I don't feel like talking to Fidel right now. No. <laughs> All right, we're going to find someone else to figure this out for us. I think we're going to call film critic Hulk. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Going to talk in all caps. <laughs> Hello. Hey, what's up, Hulk? <laughs> what's up, guys? This is Andrew and Nick. This yes. is the Weezer bracket. Yo, what's up? Number- what up? What up, fellas? It's the Weezer How you bracket. Doing? You- We're the Weezer you- bracket, the number one bad Weezer song podcast on the planet. <laughs> yeah. my, my, my favorite Weezer podcast on the planet is what's up. There you go. So um, this is a weird one, though, because these are not bad songs in any sort of way. Okay, we've come to the end. We've come to the end of our first round, and we had to each pick two Pinkerton songs, which is fair. I like that. I like I, I like that approach. It also gives us a reason to talk about Pinkerton. Yeah, it, it's a fun <laughs> gimmick for us to do. <laughs> which is only one of the greatest albums of all time, and something that defined my young adulthood. So yeah. yeah. The, so do you know what the two songs are? Uh, off 
Pinkerton. Off. Pinkerton? Can yeah. I take a guess? Yeah. You take take a take a guess. I mean my two least favorite songs off Pinkerton, which is like saying my two least favorite I don't know, Nobel Prize winners or whatever. Uh, is, oh, no, uh, we have strong opinions about which shitty Nobel <laughs> Prize winners there are. <laughs> that's, that's the next bracket. Uh, no, I, I would say, is it No Other One and uh, what's the other one? Uh, Falling For You? Are those the two? Oh, uh, you got one right. Oh, I think we know okay. which way this is going to go. The other one we, I, the other pick we have is Get You, actually. So it's No, okay. other, no other One and Get You. I actually really like Falling For You. I really like Falling For You, actually. I will say this. is In my brain, I was thinking it was those two because those are my least two favorite of them. Uh, but I will say is the reason why I like no other one better than uh, Falling For You is if like you hit me on the spot and you're like, oh, sing the chorus from those two songs. I can sing the chorus of no other one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like it still has that that way it, it recedes into my brain. Yeah. We um, deal with forgettable Weezer songs a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that's the whole thing, right? You know, it's about it's about it's about what uh what sticks with you in it's that like kind the, of regard. You know, some of them some of them have really stuck with us, especially like when you talk about it and then edit it. Mm. The bad songs yeah. that stick with you, and it's just like, mm. no, I definitely remember this one. That, yeah. house, that second half of Green is all just so forgettable. Uh, yeah, I mean... It, it, it's just shockingly so. Yeah, and, and that's the whole thing. And I mean, I'm not, not to get into a whole Green album rant. Believe me, I have one. Yeah, we know, <laughs> we know. That's why we didn't call you for any of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I'll go on for two hours. Uh, wait, okay. wait, you, you do things at uh, large length? <laughs> oh i do i do uh okay so to the question at hand i will be economical i will be to the point so it's between get you and falling no, for you no other one. Oh, no other one okay. and get you and get you here's what my vote is between the two of them i do like the energy of get you like it starts off with that like like that scratching guitar riff that where you pull it back and like you go to and just rams right into it. it it's weirdly one of the hardest weezer songs there is yeah, yeah. it really uh, is there's a little bit of me that still thinks of it kind of as their helter skelter even though that's a whole bullshit like, not as it's probably more but, i would say it's probably more based off of like his heavy metal like days yeah 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 it's like you know my favorite rock group kiss like uh, like it goes back to that that kind of like zany energy of all that well, so no it sounds like what you actually think that a kiss song would sound like if you just look at <laughs> looked at them <laughs> and not what kiss actually sounds That's like true. <laughs> right, right. No, it's like it's like uh, all the iron maiden records you look at yeah. their album covers it's like whoa this is gonna be the hardest shit ever and then it's just dad rock even between them we're talking about one of my favorite albums of all time yeah no doubt about it However, I mean, like, this is the spirit of the podcast as we're talking about, uh, 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 you, you know, the weak points of certain things. I like Get You better. I really do. I think, I think Get You has a kind of fun and, and an energy and it has that infection. I think there's a reason they put it. I mean, what, uh, was it the second track on the album? I can't remember. Yeah, I think it was. Get You's second track and then no other one's the third track, actually. So it goes into no it. No other actually. one was third? Why? Yeah. I think yeah. it was like fifth or sixth. It no. does seem like it would be deeper into the album. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, but that's right. Because it's like uh, Across the Sea was fifth. 
What is it? Good Life. Good Life is sixth. Sixth. Se- Scorcher seventh. And then uh, Pink Triangle eighth. eighth. Then Falling for You so, ninth. And then okay, because because yeah, butterflies. Butterflies. Tenth, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thrilling yeah. content. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, <laughs> oh, let's just name the order of Weezer tracks. <laughs> we've actually, I'm shocked that we've not fallen into that ever in this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, we, we're talking about a lot. We we actually mentioned Watto for the first time uh, on this episode. Oh, is it because of the horse? Yeah, yeah. because of the horse. <laughs> I, I like how all I have to do is literally talk, like look at Twitter today, and I know whatever the hell you're talking about. <laughs> so I was just curious because I, I was curious uh, about just some. Uh, do you have any like memories of when you listened to Pinkerton or what Pinkerton meant to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Is I uh, so so it kind of goes back to one of my best friends, Matt. And now that I'm mentioning Matt Sharp. Him, I'll, <laughs> yeah, Matt Sharp, one of my best friends. No, <laughs> fucking hell. Uh, no, we make no. a lot of Matt Sharp references, even when they don't need to come out. Uh, dude, dude, you're talking to a dude who basically wrote a column about Matt Sharp. Yeah, but, we disagree uh, with it pretty heavily. I, I know you do, and that's one of the reasons you are who you are. Uh, <laughs> is uh, no, no, is uh, my my uh, one of my best friends uh, growing up. He was he was super music guy. I was super movie guy but we grew up together like he lived at my house i lived at his house we were we lived like down the street from each other it was one of those it's like best friend from childhood uh, uh hey matt what's up i'm gonna tell him to listen to this anyways we can use every listener we can get <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is he uh he um there were so many bands that we both liked and i i was always kind of like a little bit more of a weezer guy and he was more of uh uh you know uh, the harder rock guys and all this other stuff is uh we we like had the thing where we were both super huge fans of blue album like grew up on that digested it and i can't remember i i, I think he gave a listen to pinkerton but like it was one of those things that just immediately when it came out i just clicked with it and i don't know if it was like the weird sensibility it's just like i think pinkerton is defined well by El Scorcho and that was like this goes super nerdy and super deep for me it is like all my earliest gamer tags were all El Scorcho related shut the fuck up <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah I was El Scorcho like well into like the late 2000s and, and I'll never tell you whatever the uh, the extra numbers were on that well, but, we do uh, have a, we do have a we do have our friend Megan who's very she's into roller derby and her uh, her old roller derby name was bell scorcho oh fucking hell yeah, yeah. I, I know somebody whose uh, fucking aim screen name was Mel scorcho her name was Melanie nice uh, yeah to be yeah, fair so, to come on like a third of all you aim screen names were weezer related <laughs> I, I had some weezer related i believe it was yeah. on a tos <laughs> yeah 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 so uh so yeah it's like it's like it's like a pinkerton was one of those things but it was like one of those things where i felt like i was on an island for a while an island in the sun yeah you got it and it was one of those things that just you know people like to pretend it was it was cherished way after the fact, but it really wasn't. It was really only that initial reaction. People didn't want to know what to do. It didn't really have a big radio hit, 
But at the same time, like when it came out, there were a lot of Weezer fans who were like, "Oh, this is incredible!" Yeah, like you know, like it's kind of like one of those popular myths. And then because it didn't have like the popular radio song or whatever, everybody came back to it later because they discovered like, "Oh my god, this is a great album! This is fantastic! This is all this stuff!" So it was like it was like one of those I went, very slow slow moving things. And by the time I was in college everybody was on board. I do think one of the things that feeds into the the, the myth is that his reaction to the reception of it, Rivers' reaction, and he thought he took it so negatively that I think that kind of creates it. Yeah. That and sales figures. Yeah. (laughs) It it did not sell as well as, I mean, it's true. You want to talk about like metrics, like it missed all of them. It missed every single one of them. I mean, it went, it got, we went platinum, what, two years ago, something like that. A year ago. Yeah. Yeah, it went platinum a year ago, actually. There was actually news about it. Yeah. Yeah, no, and it's like, and it's one of those weird things, because he, he basically, like, went into college kind of, like, a little bit before me, too. So, so it was like, the, I mean, he went late, because he's freaking... Yeah, how he, old is Rivers now? Is he like fifty? He's like no, 50. he's like four. He's like he's we past forty five, forty six, forty seven yeah, now. So I believe. Look, yeah. Yeah. Um, um. Hold on. Let me. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Today's his birthday. Is it? What? He's forty eight years old today, June thirteenth, nineteen seventy. I just looked that shit up. Jesus, I didn't even think of the. Like, didn't see that weirdly enough. I, mean, I think I've seen that with all the stuff I follow about. Yeah, <laughs> you have to read up about this guy every. Oh, you know day. what it is? It's because it is because it's midnight. Oh, okay. You yeah. know, it was June twelfth. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's June thirteenth now. Yes. What, what are what are days? I'm a writer. Basically. <laughs> I'm basically an alcoholic. So yeah. come on. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah. So he is. Happy birthday now, Rivers Cuomo. You, happy birthday, Rivers. Yeah. Happy are, birthday, Rivers. Wait, wait. Dude. Is it Wednesday now? Yeah. Oh, he's our he's our Weezer Crush Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it's like look, it's it's and then this captures the whole spirit of the podcast, and you know it's why it's why I love listening to you guys. Is uh, like as much as I can go in and out on so many of the albums that came out and whatever I can say about them is like there was no band that felt more definitive to me from you know 1994 all the way through 99 uh, like like yeah it, it it just it so captured my sensibility and i'll i'll be indebted to them forever did you hear about phone. did you hear about why they were in the news today oh no 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 I'm, they have their first charting single in over a decade wait really you yeah. know what it is it's their cover of africa oh of course yeah duh yeah yeah they're actually on like Kimmel tonight playing it, just covering Africa. Oh, I'm sure he he's got his DVR set. For <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got it with that cable. I don't have. Anyhow, all right. I all think, right, yeah, no. Thank you so much, yeah, Hulk. Thanks, Hulk. Yeah, no problem. So, okay, so, and, uh, so, so uh, uh, keep keep going through the bracket. Oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep listening here, and uh, yeah, no, no. My 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 vote is uh, I like get you better. All right, so that's really a vote for no other one. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of works in yeah. reverse. Okay, gotcha. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug? Yeah, plug something. Uh, I, I'm just, uh, I'm Film Crit Hulk on Twitter, and uh, uh, yeah, that's that's what I got, and I love you guys, and uh, keep I heard keep a rumor you stuff. were dead. Oh, oh God. I, oh, that, 
That, that's just because I didn't show up to trivia one time out of the last year. Yeah, we won. I am <laughs> <laughs> super bitter about it. <laughs> Thanks, Hulk. You have a good night. Thanks, dude. All right. Later, guys. Bye. Bye. All right. So... No other one advances to be just completely slaughtered by whatever song it's going up against. And us. happy birthday, Rivers Cuomo. Happy birthday, birthday Rivers, Rivers Cuomo. Cuomo. We're probably going to edit that up to make us look better. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, um, it's fine. Andrew, they said it couldn't be done. It's not done yet. Okay. Well, but round one, they, they <laughs> it did feel like it was a. A task we could never like pull off. Yeah, um, it turns out this is a little harder than just like putting a microphone in front of your mouth and letting nonsense dribble out. Um, Anyhow, the the winners of this week are the winners of this week. The of the final the final round one winners are Da Vinci, Dreaming, Let It All Hang Out, and No Other One. So there you go. Round one is in the books. Um, update your bracket so i think we're doing something a little different next week yeah we need we need to break off come on i think we're going to be talking about our favorite weezer songs the good ones yeah since we don't get to do it much on this podcast no we need to look we can only subject ourselves to so much you know i think it's gonna be a little more free form next week a little more loose though yeah yeah because we don't have good songs and we People keep asking. We're not going to do a bracket for the good songs. No, like, no. I, I don't really want to put those against each other because I, I, I don't. You That's know, no weirdly, fun. Weirdly enough, I don't normally like com- making art compete with each other. <laughs> 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 Yet we're well, making- this was a good project to commit yourself to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, found, I found this has been a fun way to open up a discussion. And well, fun sometimes, not very fun other times. It's true. God, we have to listen to fucking worst songs, so we need a fucking break from that shit. Jesus Christ! But I think uh, you'll enjoy it. I think it'll be fun for us. I hope so. All right, guys. All right. Uh, bye. 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 Love you. Bye. Weezer songs, we are claiming fair use uh, for purposes of discussion, and you should look back because there's a lot of discussion about these. So, there you go. But the intro music is by Alvoro Kid, and we downloaded it from hooksounds.com, Creative Commons with Attribution. So, there you go. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Oh, I would also like to give a shout out to Spence Nicholson for helping us with the art. Yeah. Oh, he's real happy about that. And giving it and letting us record in his house. Thank you, Spence. Thanks, Spence. See you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Love you.